Welcome, welcome everybody to the newest episode of the Tackle Podcast. Uh, the Tackle Podcast, we are the podcast and we like talking about sport and we bring you all the big news stories and we tackle the big issues in sport whilst also giving, I would like to say Ross, I don't know about you, but sometimes expert opinions might I add, um, but obviously that's debatable, that's a big, uh, that's a big old debate, just like Freedom Day, just like Freedom Day is a debate as I've seen today, but more on that, uh, more on that later. Ross, how you doing big man, how's your weekend been? Uh, what's going on? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm all good, Leon. I'm all good. We are coming at the end of uh, step or self isolation, which is good. Which is which is good. Uh, we can. I bet she's right. buzzing like a dodgy light switch. She is. She is. She is. Yeah. Yeah. The weekend was good. Didn't really do a lot. Weather was a bit dodgy. Managed to get out, uh, play a bit of golf, and uh, avoid the showers, which was nice. Which was nice, but. Um, yeah, I'll just some uh some I just want to get off my chest. Right, it's, it's not sport related. It's not sport related. So uh, you know, we are. The I, mean, type. I, I mean, let's let's be honest. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be because most of the time we always start off the pod with some random random shit that nobody cares about. Random so, stuff, don't we? So go on. Yeah, we do. We do. We do. So you know, we like to tackle the uh, the big issues. And growing up, I'm sure you'll agree, and I'm sure all the listeners will agree. The dreaded day. At school, where you got food technology, PE, all in one, all in one day, it's almost like you got to go in like you know with a fucking massive bag, taking a big hold of it. You know, like like you need a wheelbarrow to take your, take all your stuff in. Now, now we know how annoying that was, and I've just found you know I've just come to the conclusion as a parent, it is worse. Right, so my stepdaughter, she's back in school tomorrow. Yeah, and I'm thinking, right, okay, she's going to need X, Y, and Z. Okay, what she got this week? So she's got forest school, right? So she's got to take a whole new um, change of clothing. Basically, they sit hang, outside. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Forest school. Forest school. Basically, it's just a bit of. Oh, I'm so confused. I'm so confused. Area, which is which is what they have basically, right? They basically just fuck about with mud. I mean. When I was 11, I'm sure I was deleting mud. So I'm sure probably <laughs> it's, it's come on a fair bit. So it was like a whole other change of clothing, school oh, clothes. Oh, so let, let me get so it straight. Well, before you continue, before you continue, let me get it straight. Yeah. So a, a couple of grown adult teachers take yeah. a group of kids into the forest yeah. unsupervised. Well, I mean, supervised, really. Um, well, no, 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 no. Uh, so it's a it's a couple of grown adults and a group of kids, and they're taking them into the forest. I'm pretty sure yeah, like, op- Operation U Tree should should know should be notified about this. I mean, this has got think, Jimmy Savile vibes written all over it. <laughs> I think I think we're using the term forest. Um, I, I think I think that's being being a bit extreme. It is literally just uh, a couple of trees um, and a couple of. Fell trees that they sit on uh, as benches. So I don't get it. Why would you do that? Oh, Leon, I don't get. Honestly, they just they come back like caked in mud, and they seem to have a good time. And it's obviously a bit of a bit of a pain in the ass. So um, they've told us that yes, that they they've got that tomorrow. Um, So another set of clothing, and they've also said, oh, by the way, it's uh, cycling proficiency. So not only have I got to take a bag, a school bag, change of clothes. We've got to take a bike up there. So now in the back of the car, I've got a bike <laughs> in there with three bags. What's that all about? 
Well, they could cycle to the forest, I suppose. I mean, t- you know, t- two oh, birds, one just... stone, and all that. But I and just, it just I, took I... me back to the days. Just, just carrying like hundred ingredients, PE kit, school kit, school books, school bags. Now they're taking it... full. Now they're taking full ghillie suit back right here. <laughs> the the, the, the cycling <laughs> helmet. Um... <laughs> We'll take some skis. Uh, oh my god! From the so, sounds uh, of it, a pack, a, sorry, from the sounds uh, of it, a pack, a pack of Johnnies as well, just to, just for the extra protection. <laughs> um, it okay. is, yeah. So uh, pretty, uh, pretty full on. Uh, but that's taken me back to those days, unfortunately, which it did my head in as a kid. But uh, but otherwise, Leon, I am. I'm all good. I'm all good. Same day, you know, everything's just the same nowadays. But uh, how are you been, man? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I mean, I didn't go out on the on the weekend. Didn't go out on Saturday, which is good. You know, New Year, new me. Uh, admittedly, about six months late, um, but it's yeah. never too late to start new. So uh, that is good. Obviously, you know, a whole weekend of sport. And I'm sure we'll obviously come on to that. But if we didn't, it'd be a pretty pointless and uh, sports podcast, nonetheless. But guys, it's it's Monday. We've we've cracked Monday. Boris has come out and he's get he's given us the all clear. Um, touch wood um, on uh, Freedom Day on July the 19th. I can't wait to be 10 points, 10 points deep somewhere cutting shapes um, to some 1980s classics. I'll be honest with you. I honestly can't. Um, but oh, no, I just hope he doesn't fuck us over. And it's good to, I mean, one of the big things as well is he's obviously announced that um, stadiums will go back to full capacity, which is great. And I know we obviously got the, the Euros coming up this week and they're going to be 70,000 at Wembley, which is fantastic news for sports fans. Um, but it just, it gives people confidence moving into obviously the new seasons and that people can start planning. And like even now, I imagine people are looking at fixture lists, fixture lists rather up and down the country going, you know, planning their weekends away. And it, it's just good vibes, isn't it? And, I can't. I can't wait for a few away days myself. But nonetheless, it's uh, it's it's been good. I can't complain. I've I've trained. I've been to the gym. Um, um I say, I'm probably a bit too late this year for my beach body. But there's always next year. There's always next year. And uh, yeah, yeah, say the same in twelve months. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Freedom Day's on its way. Um, yeah, Freedom Day's I, gonna be a good day. I can't no, wait. I, can't. I think a few a few points are in order. I think Leon. I think we better. Uh... We've got somewhere, aren't we? Yeah, I reckon we should book. Well, this is the thing. I don't think we have to book anywhere out now, which is again, um, mate, one of my biggest pet hates. One of my biggest pet hates um, for this whole thing is you walk into a place, you're like, have you booked? Have you booked? Have you booked? It's like, no, I am fucking booked. I'm just out and about wanting a bite to eat and, and, or, or, or a point somewhere. Jesus H. Christ. I mean, Listen, you go in this day, have you booked? And there's tables free everywhere. And I'm like, um, do I need to? I mean, exactly. Yeah, 100%. No one here. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, and one of the things I will be hope they keep, one of the things I do hope they keep is, you know, when you go out for food and like now there's like, there's almost like sometimes like dividers between tables. I'm a big yeah. fan of that. I'm a big fan. I hope they keep it. Um, but I'm a big fan of table service. Mate, how yeah. many times have you been at the bar for like 20, 25 minutes and some bloke like pushes in next to you and you get served straight away? Yeah. I've been, like, I've been wanting this for years. I'll sit yeah. down, push a button in front of the telly, bring the beers to me. Long may that continue. I mean, we're just that's just like one step away from. Have you ever seen the film Wally when they're all in their chairs and they all the drinks? Yeah, to them? yeah, that, yeah. I mean, that's just the next logical step. But, uh, mate, I, I'm looking forward to a bit of freedom and you know get things sort of back. It's just been a long time coming, and you know to play sport again, to be down the pub, you know, with with, with our mates and have a drink and have a laugh and. 
Uh, I say outrageously cut some shapes. That's what I'm most looking forward to. I've absolutely missed. I've missed dancing, mate. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, admittedly, there'd be some people listening to the pod like, I know you, Leo, and you, da- you know, you, you dance like an old, old man. You dance like a dad. You know what? I rock it. I work it. It works for me. And hey, anyway, enough of my, my <laughs> terrible, enough of my terrible dancing, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we are a cycle podcast. That was a Tinder analogy this week. Oh, don't worry. The the pod is young, Ross. The pod is. Uh, admittedly, I, I, I I've got to be honest with you. I deleted Tinder this week because I thought about it. All right, cheers, Siri. He's, he's calling me out my bullshit, but um, <laughs> but <laughs> I have I have actually deleted Tinder this week. I can't. Oh, mate, it's just drama. It's too much. It's too much shit, and uh, it's just annoying and boring. Oh, no. And I, I, look, I just want to get back to meeting people, um, sort of the old-fashioned way. So, but look, the pod is young. There was plenty of time for a Tinder analogy. Don't you worry. I'm pretty sure I got one up my sleeve. Um, so, guys, ladies and gentlemen, strap in. We're going to be uh, bringing you news shortly. But before we do, you know where to find us by now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, uh, Google Podcasts, all those good podcast providers. Do you know what? We might even get a YouTube channel. That's in the pipeline uh, moving forward in, in well, up and coming to the new season nonetheless, but stay tuned for, uh, for more information on that in the coming pods. Likewise, catch us on our uh, on our socials. Uh, it was great to have Matt Crisp on, uh, on the on the pod last week. Someone who finally come in and he uh, hashtag tackle the pod. Uh, Getting our DMs if you want, uh, you know, if you want to tackle the pod. A lot of sport coming up over the next couple of weeks. We've got the Euros, we've got the Lions, we've got cricket, we've got football starting. So if there's something that you want to talk about and you want to join us on the pod, then uh, get in touch. But Ross. We're going to start the pod like we start every week with the news. First up for me, Andy Murray. He's out of Wimbledon. He's gone. He's out of there. Yeah, thank God for that. He's right. just he's just the most miserable person I think I've ever seen play tennis. Like no one likes losing, of course they don't. But God, I'm just I just I, I love watching him lose. I know it sounds horrible. It sounds sinister. I don't like watching him lose for one reason. Out the prime. I don't like watching him lose for one reason. Because when he loses, he's British. He's British, but when he wins, he's Scottish. I'm like, you motherfucker! Like, just make up your mo- like. You can't be both. Like, well, you can. I suppose you, like, you know, technically, you can be both. But you can't just be Scottish when you win and then British when you lose. You one, one or the other. Like, just make it. Just make up your mind and stick with it. Um, because it just makes you look like a dickhead. Otherwise, it is. Yeah, yeah. I just. I mean, I. I, I mean. We we all know you know the injuries and all all the all the troubles that he's had getting back to fitness and you know I'll I'll, I'll be honest I probably six months ago I, I was expecting him to probably retire I wasn't really expecting him to, I'll be to honest, I was I was I was in the same just, camp yeah it just I mean, it just sounds like he's being held together by by screws and nuts and bolts to be honest so um, do they even have those in Scotland or. Um, it's probably just a bit of iron brew, I think, does the trick. Um, <laughs> iron brew, haggis, and shortbread, stick it in there, lads. No wonder why his hip keeps breaking. He's got shortbread hips. <laughs> but, I mean, oh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely a Tinder analogy linked to that somehow, I'm sure there is. But I'll give you some time, I'm sure you'll think of that would. I, I guess it's brewing. Don't worry, but yeah, look, I think it's. I think Andy Murray is probably a. It's probably too soon for him. You no, know, uh, too soon at Grand Slam. Really, I don't think he necessarily had the right prep. He look, he came out in the media and he said that you know was it all worth it and you know did he have enough game time and all sorts. But you know, the, I think the thing is with Andy is that mate, you're a you know you are an athlete. You're a top athlete. Um, you have a, probably employ a whole team and coach and staff to look after you. 
yes, you everybody you know in tennis wants to play at Wimbledon. It is the big Grand Slam to win. However, if it is too soon, it's too soon. The problem with all injuries across sport is it's very easy to rush back in, isn't it? But I think yeah. look, I don't think this is the end of Andy Murray for me. Uh, I think we will see him again. Whether or not we see him at his peak, at his best, is to be seen. But, you know, Federer is through to the last 16 and uh, Novak Djokovic has joined him today. Do we see one of those two winning? Um, I don't really think there's any other challenges, is there? I, I don't think there is. I don't think that. I mean, uh, I'll be honest, I would just love to see Fed win. How good would it see? I saw so that earlier, right? Roger, Roger Federer, you know, obviously winning, winning tonight. This is his 17th Wimbledon, right? He's never lost a fourth-round match. That takes him to 17-0 in fourth-round games. Like, that is if crazy. That is goat to you, but I, it's just insane. I mean, I would love to see Federer win. Uh, I think, it, for me, it's kind of a bit of a head and a heart. I think my head's saying, <clears throat> Djokovic wins this. But, but my head's, uh, you know, my heart's just saying Federer. I'd love to see Federer win. But... I'm, ex- I, I'm exactly in the same boat, mate. I know. Yeah. You know, I like I like Jokovic. He's a classy player. And, you know, he's, you know, he's an absolute, you know, machine of a tennis player, an all-round athlete. But, you know, my heart just wants sort of uh, Federer to win. So on this podcast, That's we're fair. team fed. We are definitely team fed. Hashtag team fed. Tackle pod. It'd be great to have him on the podcast. I don't think he will. But, hey, you know, who knows? Uh, any news that stands out for you this week, Ross? What's come to your eye? Yeah, I mean, just sticking with the tennis. Um, the British wildcard, Emma Raducanu, is <clears throat> in the last 16. She actually played. That's fun to say. Um, as, as, as we're talking now. So, yeah, it, it is fun. She's uh, kind of taken it a bit by storm, really, hasn't she? She's kind of come out of nowhere, sort of being a wildcard. For me, it's been something to, to cheer about. Another, another British or English person to, to keep an eye on. Yeah, on, it does, so. yeah, it does seem yeah. it does randomly seem though in every single Wimbledon there is some random teenage prodigy um that somehow gets through uh to like the last stages, which is great to see, I suppose. Um and um yeah, wish her all the best. Anything else, my friend? Uh no, I think that's it. That's it from tennis. Uh I mean another thing coming out in, in, in the news and coming coming from cricket is uh Ollie Robinson is uh is, is going to be free to play after his ban. I know we we previously touched on this uh, on on an earlier pod and kind of you know where where we stood on the whole thing. I think common sense. I think we've prevailed. Um, you know he is free to play. We've obviously you know sort of said where where we stand on this. And um, I think for me it's great to you know see him be able to play again. I mean, do you agree with that, Leon? I think it, I think I it is great to see him play. I, I think it is great to see him play again because he's obviously a talented lad. You know, his debut taking was it seven wickets on his debut. I mean, that's that's mad, that's mad scenes. Um, you know, at any level of, of of cricket, let alone international test cricket. But I think more look what I don't want to happen is he get like he, he is forever tarnished with it. It's happened. You know, he's apologised. Whether it, you know he, it was right to be in the media to begin with is is is, is one issue. Um, whether or not he's been treated. Fairly or rightly or by the easy bit. Look, it, it's in the pack. What's done is done now, isn't it? I think what what I don't want to see happen is every time he gets selected, it gets brought up by the media because it fills you know column inches. We yeah. need to we need to treat him as a you know as a test player as a as a quality test player for England and you know let's talk about his achievements rather than the past because if he goes and smashes in the Ashes, um, the upcoming Ashes um, Ashes tournament. 
and you know he takes wickets off Australia left, right, and centre. And all you can talk about is previous tweets that he'd spent with, like you know when he was a teenager. I actually just think it's embarrassing. I just think it's embarrassing. Uh, you know, if, if you as journalists, if that's all you you've got, then it just means you're shit your job um, because you've got nothing else to say about a guy. So look, I just really just don't want it to to hinder his his reputation. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. I think, unfortunately, I think there are there are some people out there that probably will concentrate on that. I mean, the Daily I, Mail I probably. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Un- unfortunately, what I can see happening is, you know, if he plays really well, yeah, it'll be great. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And if he doesn't play well, then it'll be a case of, oh well, you know, maybe it's because he had, to, maybe because he was suspended. Because you know, and let's focus on, you know, on the negatives. And I just um. No, I just think it's good to be. I mean, he he is quality. You know, he's such a good bowler. So, you know, I'm sure he'll he'll do well. But again, like you said, you know, we've got the Ashes. If he steamrollers through the Australian batsman, no, no one's going to say no one's going to say anything. So, let's um, hope so. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Let's hope so. And for all England fans out there, I actually hope that's the case. That you know, he comes and he uh, he batters the Aussies because you know who 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 what English fan doesn't want that happen? Let's let's be honest. But right, yeah. moving to football now. Danny Ings reported today. Danny Ings, Southampton striker, twenty eight years old, has turned down a new four year contract with the Saints. Teams being linked to to Mister Ings: Man City, Man United, and Tottenham Hotspur. Where do we see Danny going? Uh, is it right for him? Um, yeah, what, what's our thoughts? Yeah, the, 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 I mean, the team that really springs out to me would would, would be Tottenham. I think he would be uh, be a really good fit there. I think I think Man United, Man City, maybe. Oh, I'm not being horrible. I mean, Danny Ings has had an absolutely amazing season. You know, he's scored back loads of goals. So. Um, yeah, you know, I think Man City are kind of setting their eyes on on Harry Kane, and you know, if that if that move happens, then you know that does leave Spurs, you know, missing a, a quality striker. Which for me, I think Danny Ings is. You know, he just scored goals, and that that's ultimately just what you want. So I think for me, I think Spurs would be a good fit. I'm surprised he's turned down a four year deal. I mean, I think Southampton were doing okay, but. Maybe this is one kind of last roll of the dice with Danny Ings because I'm mean, oh, obviously 28, so. 29 now. Um, you know, try and get one big deal before you know maybe he's kind of kind of loses that yard of pay. So um, I don't know. I mean, it, it screams Tottenham to me. I mean, do you what agree with him going elsewhere? Yeah, what would be interested to see was sort of what international teams. Because obviously we are seeing sort of a near, you know, an, an export yeah. of English English players. You know, particularly it seems in the Bundesliga. Um, for example, that you know players are going to. I think you know. Look, Danny Ings is probably a player that was very unlucky with his timing to his move to Liverpool. Um, I, I don't. I, it's not that he wasn't. I don't think anyone would disagree that he wasn't capable of that move. But at the same time, they signed obviously Salah was in the form of his life. Then they signed Sane. Then they signed obviously Bobby Firmino, and that front three has been the front three of Liverpool the last three years. So again, yeah. he just couldn't couldn't break in that. Um, that front three, blessed. But you know, say he's proved this point at Spurs. A fit Danny Ings is a threat to any Premier League defence. So, look, I think this this is going to be one of those moves. You know, you know, when you buy a house and you're in a chain, and like you know, you're waiting on somebody else to sell before they buy your house. It's going to be the same principle. Yeah. In that, whoever doesn't get a striker or a striker that they want, 
will probably end up buying Danny Ings. I generally wouldn't be surprised if, if say, if, if he goes to United or if he goes to Spurs. I think, again, it's all relies on the Harry Kane uh, transfer, as you mentioned there, mate, in that, well, it does seem as though City are probably going to get in for 100 mil, but I doubt actually it'd be 100 mil, probably more than that, to be honest. Um, and if they get Grealish as well, that's, oof. can you imagine that? Grealish, Kevin De Bruyne, Kane, Bernardo Silva, uh, I think half the problem with, with, with like a Man City and definitely with Man United, you know, even when the teams, you know, they're not looking at that player, they always get bounded. Like, you know, Man United get linked with pretty much everybody, you know. So I, I think with Man City and that sort of money, they, I think it will just get bounded around. You know, it's, it's hard to know whether there's two kind of too much into it kind of behind the scenes whether Man City would be looking at Jack Grealish I mean I mean what he's shown us um, this round you, you know in, in the Euros is that he, I don't think he would look out of place in the Man City side if I've got to be honest I think it would be a great signing for Man City Yeah I think yeah I think so and um, I think that, I think it sounds maybe people might disagree on the pod but I think him and him and Harry Kane are like are very similar players you know, they like play, obviously played in a traditional number nine role. They got great movement. Um, they play normally play up front on their own. They can sort score all, all sort all sorts of goals. So uh, yeah, I say I think he's gonna fit a bill wherever a team he goes into. Um I think looking at Danny Ings as well, you say they is he's very much rolling the dice one last time because um oh breaking news, breaking news on the pod. It does seem as though Emma Raducanu has retired from her, her match due to injury. So, unfortunately, as much as we were we were bigging her up just now, Ross, she is she is out on the, she's out of Wimbledon. Unfortunately, Emma, you know, commiserations. Obviously, no one's to retire from injury. But anyway, back to our news. Um, yeah, I think twenty eight. You know, just like just like Harry Kane, he's you know he's twenty eight. He's looking for his. He's probably going to get one last big contract, big cash. And Danny Ings is probably thinking the same. And if it, it, I do think it's now or never to leave leave Southampton. So I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to Spurs to replace Harry Kane. But likewise, Man United are also. I, I, they need a strike as well. Can Can United just rely on Edison Cavani, uh, and or Greenwood as a as an out and out striker? Um. I'm not convinced. I'm not sure. But with Danny Ing, again, I'm not. I just feel that for a Man United, I'm not sure Danny Ings is going to fit the bill for what they want. I, I think Danny Ings is good, but I don't think he's elite. I think for Man United and the improvements that they're probably going to need to challenge for the title. For me, I think they will need another striker. I mean, the Sancho signing for me is brilliant. That's fantastic. I mean, obviously, he's not a number nine or, uh, you know, he definitely feels that right wing, not, right midfield. He's not going to be a target man. Yeah, of no. course he does. Of course he does. And, and, and there's talks that they're going to get Rafael Varane as well. And I mean, you know, they've still got Martial, Cavani, Rashford. I mean, do they do they need a striker? For me. I think if Man United want to go that next level, I do think they just need an out-and-out goal scorer, maybe like a Haaland. I don't think that will happen, but something or someone like that, some that high profile. Or it could be like, you know, when like Man United back in the day randomly signed Michael Owen and everyone was like, what the fuck? 
and then he scores a he scores a he scores that injury time de- uh, winner at, at, in a Man City derby. I can just see that you know Man City sign Harry Kane. You know, go we get his you know his downgrade, um, and then he scores the last minute winner uh, against City in a derby. And Man United go ha. We just got a striker for half the price and we won. So fuck you, see. But hey, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? We'll see. I don't think we're testing his boots off anytime soon. But yeah, <laughs> I, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, but look, I think look, we've we've mentioned before on this pod that uh, this this transfer window is going to be a bit mental. I think, especially as soon as the Euros, uh, as soon as the Euros can c- conclude. People will start talking. People will start splashing the cash, especially because of how quick the season and preseason will turn around. So, look, yeah, we'll uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, right, this is something I want to talk about. So, believe it or not, ladies and gents, on the weekend, New Zealand, 102, yes, 102 to Tonga, uh, to nil against Tonga. Nil point to the Tongans. Now, People are looking at this and they're going to go, yeah, it's the All Blacks, uh, you know, 100 points against Tonga. You know, what a result. Brilliant. You know, it's, if anything, it, you know, we knew it was going to be a, an hammering. But I look at this and I just think, why, why is this game even being played? Because who benefits from this game, really? You know, who benefits from a 100 and a new point win? Because... New Zealand haven't been tested, and Tonga's taken absolute pace in with. And like, what benefit do you get from losing 102 points? I don't. I don't think there is. I mean, I don't think that benefits anyone. I mean, what? What is the point? You know, I just I just look at it, and I think, you know, I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head, and I say, well, yeah, it's New Zealand, of course it is. But I mean, you know, we're, Tonga get nothing from this game. They get absolutely nothing. They don't benefit whatsoever, you know. And we've got, you know, these Pacific Islanders, you know, that they're nations that kind of, you know, sort of, sort of struggle a little bit, you know, not being a kind of tier one rugby nation. And I just, this just, there's nothing for them. I mean, you know, New Zealand, you look at the players that have played for New Zealand and not every single one of them are from New Zealand. You know, some of them, are born in Tonga, Samoa, Fiji, and, you know, do then go on to play for New Zealand. But, I mean, if, if, you, if you're if you a real top player from Tonga, I mean, would you want to then play for Tonga? You'd be probably looking at, you know, if I'm good enough, go and play for the All Blacks, and I'm not getting 102 tanking. I, I, I just, I struggle to see what value anyone gets from it. For New Zealand, it must have felt like a training game. I mean, they could have played a local, local top 14 side. You know, I'd, Mate, I mean, 100%. I some strong views on it, Leo. Yeah, look, I think, I think, I think, look, we touched on is, you know, what is the plan here? What is the plan, you know, for, for these teams? And that, look, especially in rugby, rugby union, it's hardly documented the, the disparity um, between tier one and two nations. In this case, this is, if any, this is more than a disparity, this is, this is like the Grand Canyon that separates them, you know, essentially. Uh, but there's lots here to, di- to dissect and the reasons why this has happened. You could arguably say that, you know, New Zealand have a competitive league and then they have players that are playing in other, uh, you know, who've got experience elsewhere in the world and they play competitively. But then like, I've read something there like Pacific Island 
players make up something like fourteen percent of all players that we play in 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 um in the top leagues in the world, which is you know that's a lot yeah. of, you know that's a lot of players. So to say that you haven't got talent is quite frankly bullshit. I think the problem stems in that you know there's the likes of New Zealand as you you touched on there, Ross, in in that oh, we're just going to cherry pick your players. Well, that needs to stop, doesn't it? Because you know Tonga would be more competitive if they didn't have their players nicked. The problem you get is you know. If you go play for somebody out, like obviously if you take the Vunapolas, for example, but play for England, you know, they could have played for Tonga through, through obviously their dad played for, played played for Tonga. But England are paying them 25 grand a game, and they've all they've both got something like 70 caps. You know, you do the math, uh, versus Tonga, who, you know, probably have to buy their own kit. So that's one a massive problem. Whether or not, as well. Like we obviously we know that in the emergence of the Super Rugby moving on to, to New Zealand, the emergence of uh, Moana Pacifica, who, by the way, I just want to add of the worst rugby rugby shirt, uh, it, I think in the world. It looks like it's muddy before it's even played. It's weird, um, but even just having a team, in, uh, you know, you saw, for example, the Haguaras and the Sunwolves. They had rep, you know, from Argentina and Japan, their respective um, Super Rugby teams. Yes, the Haguaras got to a grand final. Um, I think the season before COVID, just and you know, and they pretty much got there through some of the, some, some of the international disruptions. But the point I'm trying to make is, if you look at Argentina now, they've not progressed, they've not benefited. Japan have progressed slightly, and they're more competitive than what they were. But equally, you would still fancy other nations to beat them, right? So, what does this mean for Tonga? I don't, I don't really, I don't know what the answer is because if you give them a team in Super Rugby, does that necessarily benefit them? Well, not if you know they'd still decide to go and earn more money elsewhere. So that's point number one. Two, New Zealand is still going to nick all their players and so are England and so are fucking everybody else because they can Like, pretty sure our Fijian squad now play in France. So there we are. Um, and whether or not World Rugby have a plan to get more competitive fixtures, you know, do you want to see 102-point drumming of Tonga every week? Or would you rather see New Zealand play against Australia and have a closer game? Yeah, you probably get bored of the Bledisloe Cup every week, but it's probably a better spectacle. Yeah, absolutely. Of course it is. That's what you want to see when, when you watch when you watch rugby. You don't want to just see 102. Because uh, just, you know, it's kind of like it's like that meme, isn't it? Like, just stop it. It's dead already. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it, it happens every week. and. Stop, you know, stop, he's already dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like just, you know, we, we, we then look at the players that could be eligible for Tonga. And, I, you know, if I was one of the runner polos, I'm thinking, would, would I get the exposure? Would I get the money? And, you know, we've already spoke about how, you know, the money in rugby and, you know, the runner polos after rugby probably wouldn't have to work. Imagine they probably have enough money, but, you know, they're good enough to get into coaching and everything else. Whereas I think if they, when they went and played for Tonga, would they be in the same situation? I don't think they would be. And, you know, we, we sit here and say, well, yeah, you know, yeah, we, New Zealand are kind of picking, picking the way through all the, the Tongan players. But, I mean, if you were a young up-and-coming player from Tonga, and you've just, you know, you're two, three years off making the national team and they've just been spanked 102 nil against Tonga, uh, against New Zealand, sorry. And you've got a potential side door in to go and play in New Zealand and become eligible for New Zealand. 
I mean, where are you going to go? I mean, it's, yeah, it's, this is it. It's not. It's not exactly an incentive to stay in Tonga, and I think as well, like you know, it's a double-edged sword as well because you see a lot of players, and one of the big things is look, it's, it's well documented that these players in the in the Pacific Islanders they have no cash. The moment that they get signed by a team in France or a team in wherever, they get given a lot of cash. So it's like a, it's like do you know when you were like eighteen or something, you had your first paycheck. You're like, whoa, actually, yeah. I got a few, I got a few hundred quid in 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 my back of pocket. I'm going straight up town. I'm getting steamed up. I'm buying, you know, I'm going to spend money. I don't have all these. You know, it happens, and you know, because because when you're younger, you have no concept of value or cash or whatever. You just spend and spend and spend, right? And um, the problem is. You then get into debt, and you know, and this happens with these players that you know you're not taught, or you know there's there's no concept of money management. Also, the other thing is, is again another there's lots well documented and the struggles that they have is it, more often than not they do the thing of I'm going to go and sign for France, sign in France or Toulon or Toulouse, whatever, and loads of money. Half my wages is going back to support my family, support my village, because if yeah. I don't do it, they're all shagged, like they're all fucked. Uh, and not in the good way. Um, and not in the Tinder now. <laughs> not in the Tinder now, as you nah. anyway. Um, but um, the point being is, is the people are high reliant, and I think World Rugby needs to step in uh, and do something in order to make sure there's a fair sort of allocation. They need competitive fixtures, and you know they need to get something from it. Yeah, but, but they like, like, look, oh, I don't want to get necessarily sidetracked too much, but. You can arguably say the same about Georgia, and there'll be people listening to this, this podcast who've probably been like, oh, yeah, Georgia should be in Six Nations not years ago. Why? Why? Because every time they play a tier one nation, they get pumped, right? They don't ever see, they don't have any signs of improvement. They don't have a, a, a professional rugby team in Georgia. They don't have a professional league or what have you. So until then, why would they be invited into a, 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 a tournament like Six Nations? When teams like Tonga, Fiji, and Samoa aren't, I don't understand that logic. Why would you invite Georgia over any of them? Uh, this is what I think part of the problem is. Maybe a solution is inviting the likes of Tonga, Fiji, and to Samoa into say Super Super Rugby or like the the, the the Rugby Championship, and actually making a you know making a cap on. Well, Tier One nations can't take two Tier Two nation players, but Tier Two nations can take Tier One nation players maybe. But if you think of how many players get one or two caps for a tier one nation, but could play for a tier two nation and probably get 50 caps. Yeah, I mean that that's a real valid point. I just if anything, I think I think that, that result probably 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 hits the nail ahead of why you wouldn't why you wouldn't add in Fiji, Samoa, Tonga into the, the rugby championship. You know, because if they play against New Zealand, I mean, I mean, look, you know, Tonga didn't have all of their players available, you know, and for me, if then if they've not got a full fit starting fifteen, the game's not really worth playing, and unfortunately, that's the situation that they're in. And this yeah. result just shows that three or four players out, and this is just what happens. And I mean, New Zealand, the abundance of players they've got to pick from, they're all absolutely high quality. It's just you know you bring Tonga into the you know to the championships. I just worry that teams like South Africa, Australia, New Zealand probably just put out a second fifteen, make it slightly less one sided, but still probably win comfortably. And well, my question, know, I suppose my question on Tonga that benefit from that. But I suppose my question does that make it slightly more be- mutual beneficial? So for example, if if you've got say yeah okay 
you got Tonga, say, for Tonga first team against, you know, Springbok seconds. Yeah, okay, you could probably argue that the Springbok seconds are still likely to win. They're probably on the whole better. But it probably is a bit more of a competitive fixture and the Tongans get something from it rather than playing the Springbok first team and getting absolute trounced and then going, well, that was fucking shit, wasn't it? I, I don't know. I don't Because obviously, as well, the, the guys who play in the seconds, they're getting international experience and game time that they probably wouldn't otherwise get. Um, you know, because I suppose in rugby, especially in international rugby, one of the issues is that the only step that a lot of teams got rid of rid of their A A team, so the only the next step down is their under twenties. So you know you could probably get a taste at late nineteen and then never get a taste at that level again. And then you might get a cap at when you're say like twenty six, twenty seven, but you've been out of that that level of rugby for that many years. So look, it's an issue. It's an issue. I think where we need to 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 address sooner rather than later, um, because a lot of these teams, you know, they can't compete. They get to they qualify for World Cups and they get a bit of money, and then that just ties them over for the next four years, and it's just a, a, a shit vicious circle that they're never going to get out of because the tier one nations are too advanced from, I would say. Um, but yeah, look, we're, that's a world rugby to decide. Ross, what's happening in the F1 this weekend? Well, it was another crushing win for Max Verstappen. Uh, probably a bit better than the weekend before. You know, you, you would have thought that maybe Lewis Hamilton and McLaren might kind of make some adjustments, few upgrades, be a bit quicker and, if anything, it, it went the other way. Red Bull just looked absolutely unbelievable. Um, it was a bit of a nothing for Max Verstappen, really. I mean, look, we we obviously have our segment for shit houses of the week, but I do want to give a bit of a mention to the stewards in uh, in Formula One this weekend. There was a few five second time penalties dished out for for. I would just say they're racing instant. You know, someone's tried to be a bit cheeky on the outside and all they've done is just kind of close the door a little bit. They've gone on the gravel and they've got a time penalty for it. And I'm just thinking, well, you know, Lando Norris was great. He came up with a radio and he said, well, what the fuck's he doing there? Like, you shouldn't fucking be there. <laughs> yeah, you know 100%. I mean? like, yeah, 100%. Like, that's never going to happen. Like, well, I've got a time penalty for it. And look, it was a few stupid little penalties. I mean, I'll be honest, I had a bit of a bet on uh, for Lando Norris to come second. So I was a bit pissed off by that because he got a five-second penalty. But nevertheless, it was it was great racing again. Um, if you get a chance, have a look at Sebastian Vettel and Kimi Raikkonen um, crashing into each other on the last on the last lap. That was pretty spectacular. Um, pretty funny. Um, but yeah. Vettel, again, oh, again, oh, I can't believe the down the downturn of Vettel. I mean, you could go from a four-time world champion to just... Yeah, to where he is now. It's a bit of a shame, I think. I mean, wrong, like... Yeah, he's still doing bits, mine. You know, it's, it's a new it's a new Formula One team he's driving for. And, you know, Aston Martin, he's, you know, he's he, he's doing all right. He's doing all right. So, um, it's just Formula One for my me. Question, it's, got my, a bit, it's got a bit funny, yeah. My question is, do we think it's too much for Lewis now to, to, to defend his title? Um, or... Is there a chance for you know somebody to take a few points off Verstappen, or is Verstappen too far ahead now? And, and that's it. What is crying him now? Yeah, I can't. I can't see it. I've, I think what's really significant is that even if so, so yeah, the gap's thirty-two points. You obviously get twenty-five points for winning a race. So even if 
you know, even if Max crashes the next race, Lewis Hamilton wins, gets fastest lap, gets an extra point, he's still going to be second. I think, I think for me, I thought before this weekend, I thought, yeah, Lewis is still in with a shout. But I feel that Red Bull really stuck the knife in this weekend because what they did was, um, so basically, Verstappen was so far ahead. Um, they pitted him for a new set of tyres um, and he just went and set fastest lap of the race. And for me, it was kind of a big middle finger up to Mercedes and we're so far ahead of you. We can pit our car, get back out. We're still in front of you. We can then set a time two seconds faster than you to get the extra point. But yeah, look, I think, you know, it, 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 it's good. I think it's good for the sport. I mean, for the last few seasons, it's been quite Mercedes dominant. And, you know, I'm sure Total Wolf and, and, and Hamilton have enjoyed it. But, you know, it's good to see Red Bull being a challenger. And, you know, look, sports built on rivalries, isn't it? And I think this is this is a new one emerging between sort of Max and Lewis and Red Bull and, and, uh, and Mercedes. It's a shame the likes of, you know, the old school teams like Ferrari. I mean, you know, like Ferrari, I think, you know, they've got two top, top draw drivers. I think, you know, um, the Clerk and, and Sainz are, are top draw young drivers. Whether or not they get their toys to play with, um, I, I don't mean like, Meccano or Lego or Hot Wheels. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, legitimate, legitimate cars. But uh, no, I've seen, I think the other teams just seem to be uh, a little bit, a little bit too far, too far behind to, to catch up. It's good to see though people like Lando Norris pushing McLaren, you know, near enough all the way. Uh, and yeah, on the on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, big up Lando. Um, also but... George Russell as well. George Russell, our boy, unfortunately just pipped to. Uh... Pipped into eleventh place by Alonso, so missing out on, on on Williams's first point, which was uh, the question I've got. A bit the question I've got on stunning drive. The question I've got on George Russell. So it's come out in, in this week as well, just sticking with the F one. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, you know, has signed a new two year deal, ending the sort of long spec- speculation of where he where 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 he will uh, drive for Mercedes next season or, or not. Where he is, he's going to be driving for the next two seasons at least. Um, what does this mean now for, for Mercedes in that, well, obviously Lewis has signed on, but who's, who's going to be his partner? There's obviously, you know, we know Russell has guested for Mercedes uh, this season. Uh, was it this season or last season? It was this season. How it was this season. Yeah, 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 it was this Yeah, we know Russell's guest, guested for uh, Mercedes this season already. Is this something that's likely to happen, do you think? Or they're going to stick with Hamilton and Bottas next season also? Wow, for me, it's really interesting. Um, you know, Bottas finished ahead of Hamilton this weekend. I just, I think, I wonder if I'm saying that question marks over, over Valtteri Bottas. He's not really done a lot this season. He's just kind of, he's always just been, you know, half a second behind Hamilton. I mean, look, you know, they're, they're, they're never going to let Bottas drive up the road if he's quicker ahead of Hamilton. You, we all know that's how it works. That's how team orders work. I think, Mercedes have just got a real headache because they they need two cars to really cause Red Bull some problems to make them think twice to make them you know do we pit early do we do we do X Y and Z I mean you know earlier I think it was in the French Grand Prix where they needed Bottas to hold up Max Verstappen and Bottas was too busy looking in his mirrors over on the corner and, and Max overtook him which kind of just Max just them you know went off the road and up the road and won sorry. I just feel that I think they'd be looking at George Russell, you know, when, when he had Hamilton's car and they'd be thinking, 
we we may have a talent on our hand here, someone that we could have with Lewis. Who really almost won? Let's not let's not let's not forget. Bit of a headache. Yeah, yeah. Who almost won? Yeah, you're right, Leon. Um, yeah, he, he was really unlucky there as well. Another one to to throw in the hat as well is which, which isn't going to happen is uh, Esvan Ocon, who was actually managed by Toto Wolf, um, which is another interesting one. I think for me. Uh, it's, it's a difficult one because we're all saying this for hindsight. I mean, if Bottas then qualifies pole in the next two races and finishes above Lewis, we'll be sat here thinking, well, Bottas is going to got to keep the seat. I mean, look, look, you know, we're, we're, we're English. We're supporting our boy, George Russell. I'd, I'd love for him to get, to get that seat with Lewis. I think that'll be, that'd be brilliant. Two Brits and, and two Mercedes, hopefully giving it to, to Red Bull, serving it up to him. I think that'll be exciting. I mean, I feel a bit bad for Bottas, really, but I feel he's just been a bit average this year. So, um, sign Georgia, come on, get it done, Toto. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's start. Let's start a petition. Let's start a thing of hashtag sign sign Georgia. Uh, who knows? It, it could be. It could be a trend. Um, right. Last bit of news for me, and a big one coming out of this week, Ross. Uh, we move to the world of athletics now, and as we know, the upcoming. Uh, Olympics is well is on the horizon. Uh, the you know in the land of the rising sun. Uh, terrible, terrible joke there, but nonetheless, um, American sprinter Shakira Robinson has uh, um, unfortunately been disqualified and had a place in the American track and field team uh, removed. She's been banned from Tokyo Olympics after a positive test for marijuana. Now this is interesting because. It does seem almost a witch hunt for for Shikari in um, inner inner state in the state of Texas. Uh, marijuana is 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 so legally so. Therefore, if she is at home and she you know she can legally smoke as much weed as she likes, she can't get arrested. She can walk down the street for it as anyone cares, right? But she's been tested for banned uh, substance, you know, in terms of sort of what. Uh, you know the international athletics board uh, deem as uh, as appropriate, and, and the the remarks it's it's performance enhancing. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'll be honest with you, Ross. I've never done drugs in my life. I've never smoked weed. I've never done anything. The only drugs I do are caffeine and alcohol, and if anything, I have a bit too much of those. However, I'm not sure. Maybe somebody can get in touch with us on the pod. How does marijuana increase your performance in sprinting? Because last time I checked. It makes you relaxed and it makes you hungry. I don't know. Yeah, I've I've never known anyone to smoke a spliff and then run 100 meters in eight seconds. Like it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't happen. You know, it's just, it's just baffling. I mean, like you said, she's done nothing illegal. You know, look at look at where she lives. You know, it's completely legal. She's not done anything wrong and. You know, to lose your place like that, I think I I I just wonder if there's something more to this. Um I it it, it just stinks of just something that's not quite right. I I, I can't I'm, I'm sure that I can't be the only reason. I mean to me it just sounds like bullshit, I've got to be honest. Yeah, I mean it's it's come out like she's saying that the reason that she smokes marijuana, she's twenty one year old, she says that um uh, the reason she smokes marijuana is to cope with her mother's death, which, you know, we obviously feel, feel you know, well, condolences to you, Sharon. You know, you've got to do whatever you do to to help you obviously to to cope with that. But it does seem as though sort of the anti-doping agency has been sort of very 
clear on on this and basically put it all down to her and that look, you know the rules, these are your consequences and what have you. Um, it does. I think that you know. I think it, the problem is, is well, the problem I've got is this. Would they been like so? Athletics in general, sport in general, has been quite uh, vocal on you know. For it always has been on what gives people an edge. You know what drugs are performance enhancing. Um, you know obviously the obvious ones come to mind, stuff like steroids and uh, you know the cyclists out there will you know EPO and Lance Armstrong um, and all sorts of stuff. And obviously we've talked about on this part about to say transports and women and testosterone and each and all that stuff. Right. So when there's legitimate, you know, when those are like legitimate and there's like, it's almost like swept under the rug, you know, it's almost like, oh, that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. This is just a one-off thing that doesn't improve your performance. And it's like, no, 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 you're gone. I'm like, right. No, so let me get it straight. People can take like, you know, people can take hormone replacement and, and all sorts of bits and pieces to help with them. And that may, you know, people who were male, uh, previously can now dominate women's sport and you're okay with that right uh, but people who take a substance that doesn't improve your pool has no known effect then maybe there's a research that needs to be done on whether or not cannabis uh, consumption improves sprint speed I don't think it does but nonetheless you know scientists up there can help us out but then that's apparently a no-go and now you're banned then it's cost replacing a once-in-a-lifetime uh, Olympics because sprinters do have short careers so look I just there is a witch I'm sure there is I don't really get. I don't get Americans, frankly. I don't get their their decision, but um, yeah, just double standards, doesn't it? Like you said, yeah, you know, I, you get someone with extra testosterone that will give them an advantage. This, you know, this woman's smoking weed, which I don't imagine gives her a significant advantage. But we're happy with one, not the other. I just, I, yeah, yeah, just double standards for me. It just something doesn't doesn't sit right. But, also, okay. just while just while I think about it, like so, for example, so obviously she's this is and then this is what this is what I can't work out as well is so what happens if so where's it the state in which she lives in marijuana is legal. There are other states in America where it is also legal, right? There'd be other places in the world, Portugal, for example, the well-known you know Netherlands, for example. Or uh, they they've legalized marijuana. So does that mean like they're getting picked up or not? Is there is there some sort of discrepancy or I don't really know. Like, but, like how can it be? How can something be legal in the country and but then internationally that's, that's like it's almost taking away someone's sort of civil right. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, like you said, if you know if she's not committed anything illegal, um, but look, I'm playing devil's advocate here. If she specifically knows that she's not allowed to smoke marijuana, they said to her, to qualify for the US, you need to be exempt of all of these test results, you know, you know, cocaine, marijuana, all of this, this all must come back negative. If she's then knownly taken that, then there's no defense for me. But like I said to you, I, it just screams double standards and, you know, if someone is that good, that talented, once in a lifetime Olympics, like you said, being a sprinter, because you know she could become a superstar. She'd gone over there and actually wiped the floor with it, like the way kind of Usain Bolt kind of exploded onto our screens. You know, that, it's a life changer. So I, I couldn't imagine someone knowingly knowingly doing that. 
given the circumstances. Um, so, I agree. Yeah, you would, you would, you would hope, like. yeah, I agree. You'd hope if, uh, an athlete like that would have a whole team around them that would be able mm. to advise them what they can and can't do. But I'd say if, 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 if it's one of them, isn't it? If, if somebody's given all the information that of, of, a, of let's take COVID, let's take COVID. If someone's giving every information about COVID, it's highly typical about face masks on vaccine and all sorts. If someone's giving all the information on what it can do and they still decide to not wear face masks, not get a vaccine, not go there, look at it's on them. Everyone's adults at the end of the day. You make your own, you know, you make your own life choices. But at the same time, you need to then live with said consequences. In this case, the cost of an Olympic place. However, what we'd very much be interested in is what is and what isn't. Because let's say alcohol isn't uh isn't on the list. Does that mean she can go get steam in like literally moments before competing and then, then, then run trial? Cause I don't know. Maybe that might be fun to see a load of drunk people trying to sprint in the straight line. I don't know. could be fun. Uh, <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> I mean, the only sort of, the only runner I've ever done is from a taxi when I'm drunk, but, um, <laughs> uh, and that's never really ended well. I normally I fall over or, or like hit a fence or something. I'm not for fuck. So I got paid anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just one thing that I say. It's just one thing that I saw this weekend. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too happy about it really. But we we don't. I suppose we don't know all the information on uh, on the knowledge. But Ross, is there's no is there any news? Any more news? Fancy any more news or? No, I think that's it for me. Uh, that's well. I think that's our news, right, ladies and gentlemen. As I say, that's our our news segment, a bit longer than usual. But hey, you know it is what it is. Um, we now move on to the Euros, the big word, big sort of quarterfinal weekend this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we've got to start on it. We've got to start. I, I, Ross, I'm so excited. I can't tell you how excited I am. That I, I genuinely believe it's coming home. I genuinely believe after England's four 0 dis- destruction of the Ukraine. Uh, mate, tell 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 me why it can't go home. That's what that's, that's the question I want to ask. There's only one small reason where I think it may not come home. Is that small shape like a boot, pasta eating, pizza eating, bada the the Italians. Um, they look phenomenal, <laughs> were you, don't they? Were you were you just speaking Italian? Uh, I did, yes. Um, oh, okay. If you can let friend. me know what I've said, that would be fantastic. Um, ladies, gentlemen, that, attack, the, ladies and gentlemen, Attacker Podcast has gone bilingual. Um, yeah, I, I mean, for me, they look they, I mean, they look brilliant. Uh, you, you know, we watched them against Belgium and, um, you know, big shout out to Ciro uh, Immobile um, being at death's door. <laughs> you know, I'm sure his leg was broken about three places and within about eight seconds, getting up, running off, celebrating a goal. I mean, what a turnaround, you know, what... If anything, he's he's Um, an inspiration. He could be Hero of the Week because that is inspirational. To be that close to death and get up and then moments later, be like, no, I need to celebrate my teammates. My teammates need me. My teammates need me more than death does. Uh, I think it's absolutely (laughs) inspirational. So, uh, rumours has it that Netflix are interested in doing a a film. I don't know how much is true, uh, but it's just rumours at the moment. But yeah, they do look good, don't they? They look sounds plausible. Yeah, they kept they kept Belgium quiet. I felt like they controlled that game. the Italians are just they're just funny, aren't they? They just seem to go one nil up and just kill the game off, and they're so good at it. I mean, you look at like you know, look at they've got the team. They have got Chiellini, like Locatelli there in midfield, and yeah, oh, yeah, it's just it's just 
baffling how they just seem to do it all the time. I mean, it does look as though like Keen Healy is definitely close to getting his Italian bus pass. I'm sure he is. Uh, he, he just seems to have played for Italy forever. But um, yeah, mate, you're right. I, I think they've been just like England. I think they've been one of the most complete sides of the tournament, and they, I think, they do look a threat going forward. Um, someone I work with actually said, "Oh yeah, they don't look. You know, they haven't been challenged by anyone." I was like, "What are you talking about?" Like, they, yeah, I mean, they play Belgium. They play Belgium, <laughs> number one ranked team in the world. Yeah, and now they're now going to go and play Spain. And they did. Did they play Wales? Yeah, they played well. Beat Wales as well. Yeah, beat Wales. So, so I just think to myself, what are you talking about? Haven't been challenged. Uh, I think the question I've got is it obviously is it Spinoza who's now out of the tournament? Yeah, he's been an absolute t- talisman for them. And I mean, from an English point of view, wow, that's such a shame, I suppose. Uh, an awful shame you've lost a talisman of a player like him. But anyway, you know, the show must go on for them. Uh, they are obviously going to play Spain in the, in the semi final. Spain uh, beating the, the, beating the Swiss uh, on penalties 3 1, 1 1 after extra time. I'll be honest with you, I don't think Spain look good. I don't I don't think they look good. Um I I didn't think Switzerland were were all that great. And I just think I just, I just think Spain just look beatable. they've not for me, they haven't really lit the screens up like like I thought they were gonna. You know, you you think of you think of these Spanish teams and they're just absolutely unbelievable. Um but they just they just look average. I mean I I'd be very surprised if the Italians don't beat Spain. But I then, will be as well. But then I also wouldn't be surprised if Spain somehow managed to nick a result. You just can't kind of seem to write them off all the time. But um, but look, 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 for me, I think I think Italy are definitely favourites for that game. Just a just a note on on the penalties in the Switzerland Spain. I thought they were shocking. Absolute shocking! What a shootout! Um, what a shootout! Especially from Jan Summer as well. What a boy! Yeah, Jan Summer. Yeah, making a you know making big saves. So, um, yeah, you know, I mean, just just looking at it, you know, I just thought the, the Swiss penalties were were, were pretty poor. Um, I didn't think it was that good a game either, to be honest. Which makes me think Spain will probably have the better of uh, uh, sorry, Italy will definitely have the better of Spain. Um, and then, yeah, I think I think Italy will, will, should probably go through, and uh, hopefully we uh, get the better of Denmark. I mean, look, you know, I've been, I've been, I've been praising Denmark to the hills of how good they've been playing, and I just thought first half I thought they were good against Czech Republic, but the second half I think Czech Republic really shown that you know the the, the Denmark are, are beatable. Man, I I look apart from apart from Italy, I. I... There's no side I look now left in the tournament. I I don't think Spain or Denmark should should trouble trouble England. Uh, I, I look at Spain. No, they, say, they definitely look beatable. They look. They just look disjointed. They don't look look, look a team. And we mentioned before that the loss of Sergio Ramos will do. But I say loss. So, you know the failure to include him in in the team might might come back to haunt him. And I do think they're a side maybe lacking a little bit of leadership. There's no yeah. one that there's no one that seems to be uh, steering the ship. For, for for them, uh, especially at the back. I mean, look, reports come in. He's, you know, as a, as a replacement, I suppose for Ramos, and he is class in his own right. But I think them as a back four unit, they don't feel me with confidence. 
they do actually fill me if I'm as an English point fan. They do fill me with confidence because yeah. I because I think Harry Kane might just end up getting the golden boot after all. Um, I mean, who knows? Um, but that's obviously to say if they got to the final. But same with Denmark. I think this might be a game too too far for them. They themselves don't see, although they look good as a team. And maybe they're rallying together because of Ericsson. They they've lost their talisman in Ericsson. So I'm not massively sure, you know, what their game plan is going to be. It's a semi-final of of you know of a European Championship. They can't afford to sit back, play six, seven in the fence. Uh, you know, and you just can't do that at this stage. You have to come out firing. And I do think that you know England will should take them to the cleaners. Famous last words and everything. But here's the thing. Yeah. We're at Wembley. There's going to be seventy thousand England fans there. Uh, oh, it's just, oh, I can't tell you how excited that. It's going to be rocking. It's going to be absolutely rocking. I'm a extremely jealous. A colleague of mine um, actually has managed to blag tickets for the semi final. So, motherfucker, I'm extremely jealous. Um, motherfucker, what? I, I, I just think, what an atmosphere that is going to be. I know there's going to be five thousand. His, uh, his name's Lee. Lee, if you're listening to this pod, I hope your seats are right at yeah. I hope your seats right at the top, behind the girder somewhere. <laughs> uh, I hope you have to spend 45 minutes waiting for a drink and miss the game. Sorry, but I'm just jealous. I'm a jealous man. Uh, no, jealous also... <laughs> what an atmosphere yeah, and... that's going to be though. Oh, nice that stadium! Wow, it'd be rocking. It will, and especially if England win. Look, I don't want to. Look, I mean. I generally think we're going to win this one. I generally believe we're going to win this tournament. And that could just be blind optimism or like uh, the dumb patriotic England football fan in me. But we've look, let's come on to the game now. Let's come on to the game. Ukraine nil, England four. Harry Kane scores in three minutes and to, to get the, the party started. And he looks like he's finally come to the tournament ready to rock and roll. We said against, you know, when they played Germany, it seemed that goal gave him a bit of confidence. And maybe he looked confident on, on, on you know, against Ukraine. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I thought was really interesting was listening to um, Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer um, before the game. And they were saying the difference a goal makes being a striker. And, you know, Alan Shearer is really honest about it. He says, you know, you lose sleep about it. You just wait for a chance and you overthink it and et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, as soon as it came to him, it was, it was a lovely little finish. But that's this is what Harry Kane's renowned for and everyone's kind of like, oh yeah, it was a great finish and I kind of thought to myself, I kind of expected it from him. Yeah. I, I wasn't kind of like blown away. Like as soon as it was put through, I, mean, I, I think this is what separates, you know, like a Harry Kane, Cristiano Ronaldo from, you know, the different levels is that only half a chance and it's in and I think that for me is what's filling me with a lot of confidence I think England teams evolved that half chance, you know, that he's got that ball whipped through. And discovered it. What, yeah. But what a ball from Raheem Sterling. Just got to yeah. throw that out there. That in that little reverse ball inside was absolutely stunning. But I mean, you know, Harry Kane's got he's got two goals. I mean, he's he's gonna be buzzing. I I think he would have been good to come off. I think he would have been good because he was on that trick. But I suppose Gareth... I think he would have. I think he would have. But I thought it was real smart player management by Southgate. Get yeah. Phillips, get Rice off. They're both from yellow cars. Get Harry Kane off, rest them up. I'm sure he wanted to have the hat trick. But actually, in the grand scheme of things, would you rather have a slightly fitter Harry Kane for a semi-final at Wembley against Denmark? 100%. Or, I mean, to be honest, I thought Ukraine... Or, yeah. 
at four nil, I thought if they're going to start throwing the toys at the pram, start sliding in, kind of, you know, they they would beat, um, you know, we, which they didn't. So you know, it's kind of relevant. You kind of kind of could have stayed on, but I think it was real good good squad management um, from Gareth. I agree. I agree. Uh, I think look, it's a you know tournaments are a lot and if you think of it at the time yeah okay we're winning but there's still a week left to play still two games to play what you know on you know being optimistic still two games to play and i'd rather as much as i wanted to, to score a hat-trick at a major tournament and equal you know gary Lineker's record of 10 goals at a major tournament i also want him to be fit for denmark and potentially score another another one another two against them and put us into a final so i think it's real good i think look i think people were all tournament of question, Gareth, aren't they? And it's no different. Every single major tournament is always the same. Question manager, you know, I think people, I was having this chat with a guy at work, and he said to me, he said, and I thought it was a good point, he said, people look at England too much, like they look at their club sides, in that who should play, who shouldn't play, you know, what system should they use, blah, blah, blah. But normally, international football is completely different to club sides. You can't chop and change like you do, you know, in a club. You, you know, there isn't a, you know, you're not playing 38 eight games a season. You're not, you know, you've got to do what's the rest of the team in that short space of time. And evidently, what Southgate has done is absolutely spot on because the results speak for themselves, right? So it'd be interesting to see what he does for Denmark. I personally, I absolutely would like him to stick with the 4 3 3 formation. I think that's been. Well, evidently, been our, our most fruitful formation, and we scored four goals. I think, got, yeah. Go on. I agree. No, no, I completely agree with you. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think, I think with Germany, I think the mentality was let's not lose this, and I, I just hope that's not what we're going to do against Denmark. I mean, Denmark, you know, have looked good, but I think that four-three-three formation. I think against Germany, we were certainly missing someone trying to bridge the gap like a centre attacking mid between Harry Kane and the two holding midfielders um, and I think this formation gives us different. yeah I completely agree yeah I was just about to say doing that Mason Mount coming back into the fold I thought I thought Jaden Sancho was brilliant um, I mean I've got to give a shout out to Luke Shaw he was absolutely fantastic Shoburto Carlos better, better service in the church unbelievable wasn't he he was he was fantastic and I for me, I'd like to see the same side. I mean, I don't know if it changes, Leon. I mean, I don't know. Would, would you... I know you said you're keen on the formation, but would you would you make any changes? Would you, would you be looking to, to bring I, in? I, I think, realistically, the only, the only question mark I've got is who starts in that 10 position. Because I think the back four, or the, uh, the back five, rather, including Pickford, they look absolutely solid. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing for me, which is a big standout, is look, a few months ago, Harry Maguire's in a boot. This is Europa League final for Manchester United, and everyone's question whether or not he's going to be fit enough for the Euros. And even if he is selected for the Euros, whether or not he's going to be good enough because he hasn't had no match fitness. I've never known of a player have that much time off of football coming to a major tournament at the ground running like Harry Maguire has. And I think, look, people will slag him off as much as they like because of his, his transfer fee, but. Every, look, when, when he comes into United, when he plays in Manchester United, the defense instantly looks different. It looks more secure. You know, they look more controlled. They look more composed. It's better. Same with England. Now, no disrespect, I mean, we've said before, he had to put a foot wrong before Maguire comes 
came in uh, and he probably in some respects is unlucky not to still have his position but how much like better to England look when you got Stones, Maguire, Walker and Shaw at the back and I think on that respect you keep all five of them just obviously well Pickford ain't going to go anywhere is he not unless you fancy risking Sam Johnstone in, <laughs> in a Euros Emmy but I think Pick- Pickford has looked really assured I mean I've not been his biggest fan but I thought he was fantastic and I what I really love about Pickford is if someone makes a mistake, he gets right into them. Yeah, and that's probably the only criticism with Harry Kane. Harry Kane's captain. Pickford almost sort of acts as a captain. As soon as they make a mistake, you know, if they're in on goal, he's kind of getting into them. And I, I love that. I absolutely yeah. love it. One thing that annoys me in sport, one thing that annoys me in sport, right, is especially in team sport, you hear a lot of people like, don't have a go at people, no bollockings and all sorts and all that. And to an element there is true. Like People make mistakes, right? That's fair enough. If you make it once, tap someone on the ass and say, all right, mate, no, don't worry. Let's go again. Let's go again. Right? If somebody makes the same mistake, you like, you've got to get into them. You know, you have to mm-hmm. set, because you, if you don't, you know, that, that seed of doubt will grow up. You know, people will make the same mistake. They need to be told to, to get it together because especially in high pressure environments, high pressure games, you know, mistakes like that will, you know, will will consistent mistakes will lead to you losing games. And I do, I think I love that about the leadership in England at the moment and that, yeah, they're all supporters and they look a great team. They're all together. They're all there to support each other. But if someone isn't pulling their weight, if somebody isn't, you know, people are on top of saying, come on, pull it in, put it in. And it's great dog. You want to see that dog. But from that point, I think, you know, Pitfish was great. Bat five say the same. My question is, it, like, my point is this, right? I just want to make a point, right? How can England have three of the best midfielders to ever play the game of football in Skulls, Gerard Lampard, and never, never get anywhere, never get to the same, never win, never win, fuck all, right? Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips, two two blokes who look like one of them looks like a plumber, the other one looks like he delivers sofas on a weekend, <laughs> right? And they were into a Euro semi final. I, I don't understand. So I think yeah, they've been outstanding. I honestly think that they have been outstanding. Uh, Calvin Phillips, I'll be honest. I remember when we went for our Euros, and I wasn't even sure if he made it on the plane. But fuck me, have I been wrong? He's been outstanding. Absolutely, those two for me have been brilliant. I think I'm with you. Who plays in that number ten role? The more I think about it, the more I think. You don't start Jack Grealish. I think he is a real kind of impact sub. Mm. I think Southgate seems to have a bit of a thing for Mason Mount. So I think Mason Mount will start. He's not going to drop Stone. He's not going to drop Kane. Personally, the only maybe would... question is, you know, does he start Sancho again? Does Saka come back in? Oh, I mean, well, we've got Phil Foden on bench. You've hit the two points I was going to ask you, actually. The two points I was going to ask you is, what like you know? Do you bring Foden in? Because I do like I. I'll be honest with you. controversial. I think Phil Foden's better than Mason Mount, um, especially going forward. And I would love to see, especially in that four-three-three formation, what Phil Foden can do in that ten role. And you know, I know. Look, people will be going, yeah, but he plays on the wing for Man City. So, well, he also plays for number ten. So, uh, I'd love yeah. to see what he can do. Sat behind uh, Harry Kane, running off him, pinging balls in, little flicks and what have you, would be sexy, right? But similarly, right, Saka, he got his chance, didn't put a foot wrong in the for two games. In fact, arguably against Germany, I thought he was our best player. Sancho yeah. comes in the mix against uh, against Ukraine, gets his first start again. Equally, thought he was our best player, right? 
And I was thinking to myself, well, that's a headache in itself. Which one do you pick? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, Saka wasn't fit, but now Saka is fit. The last two games he's played, you could argue, has been our best player. Um, I, 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 I mean, what a nice headache to have. I mean, the, yes, it's a nice headache. I mean, you know, if by somehow we lose, then ultimately there'd be questions about, oh, but why hasn't he played Saka? Because Saka should have done this. And if he doesn't play Mount and he plays Foden and, you know, Foden misses a chance, oh, well, you should have played Mason Mount. I think Bash looking at the kind of the flip side of the coin, you yeah. know, potentially if it doesn't go right. But I mean, what a headache to have. I mean, but obviously if I, had my, if I had my Arsenal tink, tinted glasses on, I would say I'd maybe bring Saka in instead of Sancho. But then you can't drop Sancho because he had a great game. <laughs> so I, 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 Do you know what? I think realistically, I'm with you what you started to say. I think, I think as much as we can talk about who should and shouldn't go in the side and what have you, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, I think especially with the game on against Ukraine, I'd say, it's the most positive formation, most attacking uh, minded formation with players in their positions, taking people on. And maybe we look good. And if we can do that to Denmark, and it, don't get me wrong, here's the other thing Italy will also be having an eye on that semi final. You know, they're likely to say probably will beat Spain. They'll have uh, uh, an eye on the semi final uh, uh, that obviously we're going to play. And they're going to be keen to how we set up. Because whether if we set up attacking and we put, so let's say, put three or four past Denmark as well, they'll go. Well, can we? Can we? You know, should we um, set up defensive? Should we put four in defence or two holding midfielders or five in defence? You know, can we afford yeah. to? It's a final. You know, likewise, if we if we go too attack minded, are England going to pick us off? Which again, I love that sort of pressure that we can. You know, we haven't played them yet. We have got the pressure on them, so let's not get ahead of ourselves. Though <laughs> we still got a, you know, we still obviously got a a game to play on Wednesday. Um, what threat does Denmark pose to England? That's the big question. Well, I mean, all, all over the pitch, I just think they've just been playing absolutely fantastic football. Um, you know, they've scored, you know, the same as England. I mean, I know they beat, uh, they kind of scraped by Czech Republic, but, you know, we figured and we've seen how, how tricky Czech Republic are to play against. And, you know, and whilst they didn't play pretty, they got the job done. So, you know, I think we've seen the gritty side of Denmark when it's not going brilliantly, but they're still dogging out results. And we look at the two games before that, they've put four goals past, um, you know, the last two games coming in. coming in. So, you know, they, they're, they're, they're in good form. I think the wing is that they've got a brilliant, absolutely fantastic um, pace, crosses into the box, you know, big guys up top certainly going to be a handful and a solid at the back as well you know we know Christiansen and how good he is um, their captain Simon Kaya I think his name is he's, he's looked solid as well at centre-back so you know all over the pitch this isn't going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination but no semi-finals are are they? no no of course they're not and look Denmark are there on credit you know they're not there they haven't had uh, they've not had the most difficult run but they've not had an easy run by any stretch of the imagination. Like I said, Czech Republic, they really have to dog it out against them. They've shown that they're actually not that bad a side. So, look, you know, I think it's going to be a great semi-final. I think we should have too much for for Denmark. Um, I don't know, how, how do you feel, Leon? I, I, I mean, obviously you've said how confident you are, but, you know, can we uh, get a score prediction? How, how, how do you see this one playing out? Oh, 
first of all, I, I, I think I think there'd be a lot of date. There's Dane, you know, for example, Cash Smart is well known to uh, to the lads in the England squad. Obviously, playing in the Premier League, and obviously, for, um, you know, with some 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 teammates or ex teammates. But uh, look, I think what, the one thing that's impressed me with Denmark is how they go from a place of absolute uncertainty and rock bottom with obviously what happened to to, to Christian Eriksen in the very first game to uh, Euro semi-final. Like, who would have predicted that when you looked at, the, you know, the other sides sort of uh, available in the draw? So, all credit to them. But I think that the game was what I watched the game against Czech Republic um, and I looked at it and I was just think again, like, they don't film me. I don't look at them and think we're in for a tough game. You know, I looked at obviously Germany before we played them and I thought, well, yeah, we are, you know, you just beat they beat the reigning European champions in Portugal, swept them aside, you know, gave the dog performance against France. And, you know, they're, they're two of the best sides in the world. And, you know, but then we put put two parts and we looked comfortable. So, yeah, I think I think England, I, I say, I think England win the whole tournament, generally re- really do. I think, we're you know, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, a 2-0 prediction against Denmark and it could even be more. I think the best thing for England is they got Harry Kane's confidence back. And that's just that is that for me was is is the final piece of the puzzle. If we can get Harry Kane, how I wanted that volley to go in, I can't explain to you. That would be oh, one. Yeah, oh. filthy, wasn't it? Yeah, but we obviously look. We we wait a bit of breath, of course. We will. England play uh, Denmark on Wednesday night, eight o'clock kickoff. Um, I'm not even sure which channel it's on. We we'll put it on our socials like we always like, like we do with our our pre-match posts, and then obviously the final again is on Sunday the 11th at eight. But yeah, England guys, it's coming home. Hashtag believe. I I, look, I still want I still want some form of football song to emerge. Whether or not that that happens post Euros, I, I hope that maybe Stormzy or something can sort us out. Um, but but yeah, we'll see. Uh, should we talk about some Lions? Yeah, let's do it. All of the Lions, Ross. Literally, they couldn't stop saying Lions on the weekend. <laughs> I mean, that may or may not because of the the, the team they play. And we're also called the Lions. But, guys, we head to Rugby Union now. Uh, the so-called South African Sigma Lions 14. British and Irish Lions getting the first win on the tour and they're over the match and they score 56 points. What way to start? I mean, what a way to start the tour with almost sixty point, you know, sixty points scored and Josh Allen scoring four tries. Should we just, you know, wrap up the series now? Or yeah, why not? I mean, first game—that's all that matters, right? Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, hell of a win, really. I mean. For me, I think Josh Adams was just outstanding. I mean, you've already touched on it, scoring four tries. You know, Luis Rizamit scoring as well after four minutes kind of set the tone for me, really. Um, you know, I was watching the Lions and, you know, it was really quick, offloading, quick hands, spreading the ball out wide, which is what you want to see, really. Really good attacking play. And I kind of feel sometimes we sort of played ourselves into trouble a little bit. We just tried one offload too many or the one long pass but look you know at least we're playing that style of rugby and it's not boring sort of pick and go and it gets a bit boring and you know but I think you know that was that was excellent our our main man the Mish hey Mish Watson doing bits as well I love him he was fantastic I thought I I want him to be the father of my children (laughs) 
yeah, we uh, he's definitely a, a, a pod favorite I mean, of ours. Admittedly, if if he was if he was the father of my kids, they would potentially have more hair. So that's always a, that's always about a plus point. He would. I mean, I'm sure Hamish watching a have haircut and maybe donates them to you. Um, I don't know. Hamish, if you're listening, you know. if you could sort if you could sort a brother out, um, you know that that would help. But um, it, look, it would help massively. I look the Lions scored 56 points on the weekend, and you know I think they were against. I'll be honest, you I thought poor Lions side, you know, in terms of the South African Lions. But yeah, I, I think there's a few question marks. Look, I think there's two things that to 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 take away from this game. There were certain players who put their hand up and said, "Look, we're not just here to make up the numbers. We want to test Jersey." Um, the likes, for, like for example, the likes of me, uh, for me rather, obviously Hamish Watson. It's just a shame he's too small. It's just a shame he's too yeah, small. Yeah, you know, too to small. Yeah. Just too small, eh? Like, <laughs> I mean, not let alone you know a big sixteen zone twelve uh, running down his channel and he picking him up and dump tackling him. But it's just too small to play test rugby, too unfortunately. Small. So yeah. that's a shame. Um, play rugby league. Yeah, probably should. Yeah. Um, well, that's it. that's whether or not he's able to to join up with his teammates and then leave his country when he's told to. But hey, uh, we'll see. Um, yeah. Mara told you I thought was I thought he was class. I thought he did everything you want from a second row forward. Um, mm. He was extremely effective in the line out in terms of um, not only taking our ball, but disrupting the opponent's ball, uh, putting them under immense pressure, which, which is great to see. Chris Harris as well, I thought was quietly brilliant in that. As he said, yeah, I thought so. I thought I just had my Gloucester hat on. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like he kind of reminds me a bit of like a Declan Rice, really. Like they just, Quietly, just go about their job and and just solid, you know, just just nice Don't and really solid. Put the foot think, wrong. Yeah, and I think that thirteen jersey is definitely up for grabs. I mean, I, I mean, Robbie Henshaw's yeah. come out in the news today, said that he's going to miss uh, the the game against the Sharks on Wednesday with a hamstring injury. Whether or not he's then fit for the Saturday mm. game um, against the Bulls is 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 to be seen. So if Henshaw isn't fit you know, or, or not at least fit for the next couple of games. It does give people the opportunity to play and put a hand up. I thought he played well, set up um obviously uh, Zam for his first try, which was good and he was solid in defence. My question marks actually there was a lot more question mark I took from this game than positives. And although people will be looking like, yeah, but we scored 56 points. It's like, well, yeah, okay, we did, but they were poor and actually if we didn't score a bucket load, you know, then there would probably be question marks on the Lions. But I think what this game taught me is Finn, Russell and Farrell can't play together or it's not maybe not that they can't play together, but the system didn't suit. It did seem that the Lions were trying to use Farrell as like a big basher uh, in the midfield. That doesn't work. Farrell is not that sort of player. No. He's too, you know, he's a dis, you know, he's used to playing 10. And then when he plays for England, you know, England play with the dual distributor role obviously between Ford and Farrell, he, you know, that's why they put Tuolagi in the squad for England because Tuolagi does that for Farrell. When, when Farrell is giving him a one-metre pass, short ball to run into two big, horrible South African forwards, no, you know, I did feel a bit sorry for him because as soon as he then switched to 10 in the second half, he started playing, he started moving the ball, he started taking players on, taking his game line. I thought, this is the Farrell we know. This is the Farrell that we want to see. So, yeah, I think that's something that's come out of of um of, of that camp. Um I didn't think Stuart Hogg had a particularly good game. And I'm, I'm not sure if that's a captaincy thing. Uh or if you know it's just you know just had a bad had a bad game. 
but it did seem that he was running into contact a bit too much. You know, some of his positioning was out, out of sorts um, as well, which is a bit uncommon for him. So, um, and also Zamet, as much as I like Zam, and I mm. thought he obviously took his stride very well. Um, Richard Hill actually said... In, Not given, in, is it? Yeah, Richard Hill in, in, said, said in his comments that, I mean, to be honest, he didn't really do anything. Like, he didn't do anything else. Like, he didn't have any barnstorming runs or didn't go looking for work or or as much as like we maybe see him do for Gloucester and for Wales, apart from that one try. And Josh Adams, his Welsh teammate, showed him up, really. I must admit, two of his tries were absolute walk-ins by Mass from Finn Russell in his short kicking game. But nonetheless, they're definitely places up for grabs. Yeah, I agree. I, the one thing I wanted to highlight, which you highlighted there, Finn Russell kicking game is just absolutely outstanding, isn't it? I it's think sexy, me, like a chocolate strawberry. Straight up, I, sexy I, like a chocolate strawberry. I think that gives him the edge starting at 10 over Farrell, personally. I, I, th- I think that's the way I would be leaning. But, but, whether but let's not forget Bigger. Like, had an absolute, let's not forget Bigger. Yeah, had an absolute, of course he did, yeah. And uh, of course, you know, we look, I mean, let's just take a look at the side uh, coming into Wednesday's fixture against the Sharks. There's been a lot of changes, as you would expect, you know, for the third game as well. I say third game at all, obviously, yeah. against Japan as well. But, you know, guys who haven't um, got starts yet will start. Um, so, for example, let's run for the, let's quickly run for the team. Makovina Pola, Luke Karadicki, Xander Fagson as a front row. Uh, Xander Fagson, I've always had big question marks and whether or not he's going to... He'd be, you know, he'd be under immense pressure against, you know, the Sharks renowned to have the great pack. So they're looking to target him. Ian Anderson, Adam Beard. Adam Beard obviously replacing Alwyn Jones on the tour. Uh, you know, I think he's going to do well. I think the thing is what people underestimate Adam Beard is great. He's, you know, he's great for the line out. He's great, got great maul defence. He's like a spider monkey when it comes to, uh, you know, defending the maul. So it'd be great to see him. Oh, he's yeah, a fucking same. unit. Uh, Ian Henson with the armband. The biggest thing for me, though, Rob, I just want to talk about this for a moment. Let's just talk about this. The back row, it just looks delicious. Josh Navidi at six, Tom Curry at seven, Sam Simmons at eight. That man, yeah. What I mean, you could start them against South Africa, really, couldn't you? I mean, that back row is just filthy. I'm going to say this now. I'm going to play this out in the pod. I would not be surprised if Josh Navidi gets some testing. Would genuinely, genuinely not be surprised. Yeah, because I mean, if, he, if he has a stormer, um, he puts his hand up straight away. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that place is up for grabs. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think... you know, I'm a big fan of Ty Byrne, so I'm Ty Byrne as well. I played exceptional against the um, uh, against the Japanese, and he's on the bench. But let's take a quick yeah. look at the backs. You know, we've got the Welsh partnership between Gareth Davis and Dan Bigger. Gareth Davis getting, you know, is a third, getting his first start of uh, of the tour with obviously. Conor Murray and uh, Ali, Price. Ali Price played exceptionally well, I thought, as well. Again, that. Like, yeah. Uh, um, so, can I just talk about this as well? So, Conor Murray's always been named as tour captain, but I think Price, and I said this before in our Lions special, Price has played in the two times he's, he's, he's come on now for Lions. He's played he's played better than, than Murray. And Gareth Davis came on, you know, off the bench for Price. Yeah, he did a bit when he came on as well, yeah. Exactly. I was, thinking, I was thinking to myself, like, is Conor Murray definitely getting the start? Because from the looks of it, he's not my starting nine. But just, I know because captain, he probably will do. But anyway, Dan Bigger obviously gets to start at 10. If he has another storming game, he's had two great games of Lions so far in the tour. So big question marks. 
Bundyaki, Elliot Daly, uh, take it the midfield partnership. Elliot Daly at 13, probably his best position, we would say. Oh, I like him at fullback. I think he's much better at fullback. I'm not too keen on him outside centre. Yeah, I do. Right, right, yeah. right, ladies and gentlemen, this will be the last ever episode of the Tackle Podcast. It's been great for you to listen to us. And uh, um, but at You're the same wrong. time, at the same time, Ross, I did say at the start of this podcast that we do sometimes talk talk shit about sport, and that is definitely he is not a fullback as long as I've got all of my ass. <laughs> he is. He's better fullback than an outside centre. Give out of my ear and get out of my ear. Uh, are we this is it this is this is the groundswell pod, podcast divorce but okay Bundyaki though again he's 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 gonna um he had, I thought he had a great game in Japan he's feeling that that sort of basher big big ball carrier void in 12 um I, I think again he's definitely one that if he has another good game I think he'll be a start I think he'll be a start t- test 12 we know Gatlin likes yeah. uh, a big 12 he would have probably preferred Mario to Alagi but due to injuries not on tour Farrell I don't think He's gonna play twelve. I think he actually, if he's gonna take a, I think if Farrell gets in the test side, he probably takes space on the bench. And that's not a discredit to Farrell. I think you know he's one of the best. He's one of the best tens in the world. Let's make no mistake. But I well, he probably just needs a game at ten, and we'll see how he goes. But back yeah. three of of uh, Liam Williams, Anthony Watson, and Duane Van der Roid. That in itself could be a test back three there, right there. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how Anthony Watson goes because I think I, I was maybe questioning Man whether like he would then start. Mate, he's class. Yeah. He's, I think he's one of the best wingers in the world. He offers you everything. Uh, I think from a, from a winger, he's he's quick, he's strong, he's got good good ball skills, good in the air, got good feet. He's you know he's got a kicking game. Um, I, I think yeah, I th- I think for me he definitely gets that fourteen jersey, and I would you know I generally would be surprised if he doesn't. I think it's the eleven jersey which is up for grabs with between Van der Roid, uh, Josh Adams, and and Zan. But uh, Liam Williams, well, classy operator. Him or Hoggy at fullback, but probably will be Hoggy. Let's take a quick look at replacements. Ken Owen, Sutherland, Furlong off the bench. That I think will be the starting front row. Um, that's yeah. pretty beastly front row. Um, <laughs> you know, three Irishmen in Ty Byrne, Jack Conan, Connor Murray, and two Scots: Hogg and Chris Harris. It looks like Hoggy is covering 10 in this game also. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes on for 10. That way itself would be fucking interesting. Yeah. Did, yeah, did do it in New Zealand, remember? He did do it. He has done it before. Play 10. Yeah. Yeah, he certainly has. I, I, I think the options that Gatland has, has, has got is just unbelievable, really. Kind of like we were just kind of saying with Southgate. You know, it, the strength and depth that he's got that he can choose from. And, you know, even even this, this isn't, you know, obviously this isn't the first Lions game, but, you know, that back three could even, you could argue you could, could start the first game and the same with the back row. So who for you, um, who for you, in this, who for you in this game needs to have a big game? Who in this game needs to put their hand up, take the game boys scruffing in there and go, Gatland, are you watching? Because I ain't, to play, I ain't here to play midweek game shag. Oh, Mm, it's a close I think I think Sam Simmons do you know what I was just about to say I think Sam Simmons he could I think he could put his hand up to start I think I think I think Curry maybe Tom Curry might mm. be another one I'd, be, I'd maybe be looking at you know put, put your big hand up I mean if Dan Bigger has another stormer I mean, we could be talking whether is it Dan Bigger or Finn Russell or Owen Farrell. You've got a whole choice of 
three world class flyouts, you know, and I think I think for me that's a that's a real real headache. Um, and that man you said Navidi as well, as well. I think that, that could be another one. I think you know, it was not a case where I think that you know they they have to play well. Well, actually, no, yeah, no, I do, yeah, no, ignore me. Yeah, I think they do have to play well. I think if they don't play well, I think... The Come on, well, they have to play really well, of course they do. Like, they don't, yeah, they don't just, play well, they're out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know why I said that. I mean, just thinking that everyone else who's played... I actually think Mako... Kind of ...played pretty well. I think Mako needs a big game uh, because I think, you know, Rory Sutherland, when he played, you know, he's... When he's played, he's played well. He's come on. He played against the Japanese. I thought he did well. Win Jones last against the uh, against the Lions. I think he scrummaged. He did his he did his job quite well. He got into uh, dryer on the weekend. Scrummaged him. Earns have to cut the penalties. Um, got a try as well. And you know he's again challenging. I think if you know before the tour, you look at all three on on reputation. You're probably thinking Mako is the best loose head. If Mako doesn't have a good game, he didn't play particularly well for England previously. Previously, big pressure under him. Yeah. Luke Cowan Dickey, I want to add as well. He there's question marks whether or not he should have started. Uh, sorry, started didn't start. Um, whether or not he should have played last week, obviously from a week ago getting knocked out in the Gallagher Premiership final, he gets his first start on the tour. If he has a barnstorming game as well, hits his arrows, you know, we know how good his ball carrier is. He came off the bench and his ball carrier was aggressive. He's making game-long success. I would not be surprised if he gets two shirt as well. And I, As much as I like Ken Owens, I do think he will get the start in two shirt. I think he will be under yeah. immense, immense pressure by Karen Dickey, not Jamie George. So there too for me, I probably would say that being a front row player. Of course I would. Um, but the two boys, as you said, for, look, for anyone who gets called up to a Lions tour, whether it be as an injury replacement or late change or wherever it might be, you know, you haven't been with these boys since the start. You didn't have the original buzzer selection. Also, you have that chip on shoulder. You've got something to prove. So, you know, and the likes of Adam Beard and Josh Javidi will have immense criticism because there'll always be people going, oh, yeah, but James Ryan should have got picked or, or, or Sam Underhill should have got picked or whoever. Look, at the end of the day, they didn't, these guys have, but these guys now need to justify their place of being there. So yeah. they will be under immense pressure, I think, internally, not externally, not within the group, but internally. Um, and also, just to look at the bench, you know, if Conor Murray's under fire, he's got two nines after his position, let alone he'd be tall captain. He needs to come on and whenever he does come on and do everything right. Need, by example, box kick, as he always felt, like forever box kicking, um, do well. And Ty Bruin as well. He, look, the f- thing is, the back row is under immense competition. The second row will pretty much be who's partner in Maro Itoji. If, if Burns not getting in the second row, it's in, in the back row, he's got to be looking at the as the second row as his next best thing. Yeah. So again, he needs to come off the bench and have a big option. But it's all to play for. It's all this is why these games are for. These are the warm up games, and this is why we love it so much. But good, yeah, Wednesday as well. So yeah, this is the thing, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to watch the Lions at, at, at six o'clock before you watch the three Lions. Wednesday, what a great day for sport. Absolutely. Party down on the sofa, get a crate of the, uh, the old nectar. And get it. I can't about, wait. I'm so excited for that. I don't know about Finish the sofa. Log off, 5.30 sharp, bosh. Downstairs, no. beers, sport. 
I mean, that sounds incredible, but I don't know about I don't know about Sofa. I don't know about Sofa. I'm going straight to the pub because if England get through and they get to the final, then it's going to be pandemonium. Um, so I'll probably wow. be, uh, I don't know if I'll be turning up to work on uh, on Thursday. And I hope my boss said. <laughs> uh, I hope my boss listens to his podcast. But if he is, uh, Anthony, I'm sorry, mate. It, it may or, or may not happen. I'll I'll, I'll keep you posted. Uh, <laughs> but look, it'd be interesting. Nonetheless, that's enough Lions chat. That's enough free Lions chat. Ross, do you have a rant this week? Yes or no, big man. Uh, just a quick one. Just a quick one. I, I spoke about this during the week, and we kind of, kind of touched upon it there. And I, me, maybe just want to get people's opinion. You know, you know, Twitter, slide on diet, slide in our DMs, drop comments, what, however it is you want to get in touch. I'm, I'm not convinced Harry King should be our captain, for England. I'm not convinced. I don't, I don't see enough leadership from him on the pitch. When people make mistakes, it tends to be Jordan Pickford or, well, mainly Jordan Pickford getting stuck into them and, and everything else. And for me, I just, I don't, I just don't kind of see enough from him. Um, like, I mean, whether it's because he hasn't scored, he's not, not quite been himself, but I just want to see a bit more from him getting stuck into the players. For me, he just kind of doesn't really do it enough. And as a captain, I kind of, that's what I would want to see, you know, I'm, Looking at us against Ukraine, I thought Jordan Pickford looked more of a captain than Harry Kane. It's not saying we should have Jordan Pickford. I'm just saying the way that he come across looks more sort of like captain material. That's that is what you would want to see. He kind of acted like a leader. Um, whereas I kind of don't feel Harry Kane did a lot. So I mean for me, I'm I'm just not convinced he'd be captain. I don't know how you feel, Leon. I'll be tempted to know what other people's thoughts and opinions my, are. But my, my question though, my question on this is I, suppose, look, I think it's, I mean, the captain scenario is always a big talking point. Maybe we do a big tackle on this, to be honest, and have a, a good chinwag about it. But, like, what would you expect Harry Kane to do? Because, like, obviously, I suppose a, a footballer's a captain of a football team, their role on the field is, is limited, um, per se. And, you know, that's one aspect. And like, yeah, we could argue that he probably does a lot off, off field as well. I do agree with you. My other question is, yeah, it's, you know, Pickford gets into the players and he, he tries to drive standards, exactly what you want. But isn't that just a goalkeeper moaning at his defenders like all goalkeepers do? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Although, I mean, when Muller was in on goal with that back pass from Sterling, Pickford kind of went after Sterling, kind of telling him to switch on. I just... I just don't see enough from from Harry Kane. I, I don't I don't see him, you know, getting them all, getting them all round, having a having a word with a couple of them, and you know, kind of, kind of leading from the front. And I just, I, I, I don't know. I just, I just don't see enough from that. You know, that that's kind of my only criticism of of Harry Kane, really. And I just, I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure whether him being captain has added pressure. If not Harry Kane, who? Harry Maguire. Yeah, good, Savage. Like, like a Jordan Henson. Harry you Maguire. You know, I mean, Jordan Henson, Henson's Harry not going to play. Harry Maguire. I'm sorry, I'm going to stop that. <laughs> yeah, I just... I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just, I just, I just look at him and look, at the end of the day, it's an opinion, of course it is, and I'm sure the players probably all fucking listen to whatever he says but 
like it just it just doesn't fill me with that much confidence just looking at his kind of like leadership yeah he's well, great at what he does of course he is but I, a I controversial one nonetheless shall we say um but guys let us know let us know if you don't think hurricane should be captain let us know if you do well by all means again give him uh, the support and, and and tell us what you think and if not hurricane who because you know the, the benefit is ross i think the good thing about the england side at the moment there's a lot of leaders in there, aren't there? So it's good to see. It's good to have. And uh, oh, yeah, yeah, of course there is. I would just like to see him do a bit more. I'm just not convinced he he, he does enough. But um, yeah, apart from, someone apart from that, score goals, because that's what he does. He but be. yeah, that's all he does. Of course he does. But yeah, right. you know that's what he's in the team for. Right, Ross. Time of the week. Hero of the week. Donut of the week. And the more important shit house of the week. Um, I want to start with shit house of the week. This this fucking bloke whatever his name is, raising money for some gr- crying German girl. All right. First of all, first of all, why are we raising money for a German girl who's flew from Germany? Uh, well, let's assume she's flew from Germany, to be honest. All right. Got a ticket, which which is uh, they were dear. Right. Got a ticket to Wembley and then watch, watch the football team start crying. Why are we Why are we raising money for girls whose football team's lost? I don't understand. Like losing is just part of life. It's like you know in sports days when you when it's like there's no winners and losers here, only people who take competition. Right? It's like no, no, no. There are winners and losers, and that's just life, and you need to deal with that. So yeah, first of all, why the fuck are we raising money? Not only really, like fifteen grand, mind fifteen grand to some girl. Like, why did you get fifteen grand for? Oh, I start crying at football match. Like, oh, if that's the case, I'm getting a ticket to the next football match. I'm boring my eyes out. Um, but fifteen also, grand, do whip yeah. round for a fiver, get some Haribo. Oh, cheer up. Exactly. She'll be buzzing. All it's going to do is the parents are going to go, thank you very much. Thanks for just paying for our ladies. Right? Oh, mate. I mean, Marcus Rashford must be seething. Uh, <laughs> cannot, cannot be honest. But like, also, this bloke, it turns out, this bloke, he hadn't even contacted them. This, they, this, this, this family, this girl knows nothing about it. Right? So it looks like he's basically gone, yeah, I'm, I'm raising money for this uh, for this upset girl and you know she's crying at a football match. So I think we need to do something to show that we're not all horrible. He's made 15 grand and gone, well, that's a bit too much. And I was thinking, Jerry's easy. See there. What a shit house. Stupid, isn't it? Oh, I don't get it. Like you said, when he's yeah, he, he's my shit house. He's my shit house of the week anyway. Hold that L for me, sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm with, I'm with you. Yeah, that is major shit house of the week. I think the Formula One stewards as well. Shit houses. Uh, oh, these, these, these guys are they're racers, bloody race. Yeah, I'm also going to put shit houses of the week into uh, obviously the doping agents and what have you, as we say on Shakari Robinson. It does seem a bit of a witch hunt. And, you know, look, obviously there's more sort of details that need to be made and maybe some more investigations and what have you. But just on the face value of what we know so far, you know, they just look like it's a bit of a witch, a witch hunt to be honest, for someone who's, who's sort of a rising star in athletics. And oh, look, we don't know the rationale, we don't know the reasoning, but it's shit house nonetheless. Absolutely. Who you got here over the week, Leon? Um, I mean, Josh Adams, four tries, you know, t- you know, he's up five tries now for the Lions in two games. What a boy. Um, look, it, it, before the, the tour started, would he have been in a test frame? I'll be honest, you probably not, and that's no discredit to him because he, he can score tries for fun. He was 2019 top try scorer, but I think you know book his favourites. I think were um, Anthony Watson and Louis Samet. but he scored five tries. You can't ignore you can't ignore that. 
And um, yeah, like you know, fair play to him. Um, also, short, short burst of Carlos, you know, better, better delivery than the church. Uh, he's played outstanding. And um, yeah, I think what I think with, with Luke Shaw as well, what I'm most happy with, what I'm most pleased with is he seems to have got rid of, obviously he's gone, got over his injury. He's, you know, he's taken all the flack and criticism from not only the media, but obviously his, his managers as well and his high documented Marino. But he seems to be the ex- prime example of somebody, if you put him in the right environment, with the right support, with the right people, with the right... You know, confidence they perform, and I'd just love to see it. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Uh, I thought he, I thought he was fantastic against Ukraine. Um, uh, absolutely brilliant. I think hero of the week for me. Got to give a shout out to uh, Lando Norris. I thought he was really unlucky um, in in, in the Formula One. Um, yeah, you know, drove really well. I know he had a real quick quick car, but you know, still got to drive it. Um, I thought he was a bit unlucky. Um, I thought he, he, he was he was hard done by and, and should have finished second. So um, that's a stunning job from him. Also, got to give a honourable mention to uh, our last week's hero of the week, Mark Cavendish. Um, he's won another stage of Tour de France. Whoa, double hero of the week. Double hero of the week. Came storming through um, up the hill to sprint to win to win the stage. Just doing bits as as usual. And um, I know Matt, who was on the pod last week kind of mentioned how much he'd been through and you know he's a bit emotional after uh after winning that stage and what was really nice was uh, a lot of the cyclists that were that were kind of going past him uh, at the hill were all kind of patting him on the back and wishing him well so that was that was uh sensational it's what we love, so, to, see. It's what we love to see proper sportsmanship which is just what it's all about at the end of the day um any more heroes of the week from you, Leon, or can we go on to donuts? Because I do uh, have Jimmy Anson, big up, big up, big up, Jimmy Anson. Jimmy Anson, take, yeah, take a thousand wicket. I mean, that's just absolute sensational for 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 any cricket or you know great milestone. So he is my hero as well. Um, that's it. That's it in terms of heroes. You yeah, got for donut. Yeah, donut. Donut is that? It, there's only one winner for this, and that's the uh, the organisers of the uh, the Austrian. Grand Prix. I don't know what they were thinking. They got a rock band to play their uh, national anthem, and oh, it just sounded horrendous. You know, drum solos at the beginning, electric guitar, and all that. It just, oh, it, the whole thing was just a shambles. No, I, I was just looking around. Everyone's just looking around. I'm like, is this? Is this? Di- yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is actually happening. Okay. Cool. I didn't um, know if they were going to sing. There were no singing. Just guitar solo. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Just a shit show. Yeah. It's just like you know when they're like, the guys, guys. This is our moment here. Like we could, we could maybe get a record. There's like, no, no. There's no. Don't get ahead. You're at Formula One track. Just, just play the national anthem and move on. Um, I mean, look, it's it's good to see that they're doing something new. Um, but bless them. Uh, yeah, donuts. I don't have any. I, this week, I don't actually have any donuts. So, I mean, I, I wish I did because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm chubby. But um, nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, we, de- we there's always next week. Um, but yeah, but is, is that all from you, Roy? Is there anything else you want to you want to add to the pod? Uh, just on one mention to uh, Andy Murray, another donut of the week. Just for, just for being Andy Murray, to be honest. Just for being Andy Murray, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm happy to leave it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, 
Right, guys, as you know, if you've enjoyed the part, thank you very much for listening. If you, you know, by all means, slide in our DMs if you were, you want to get in touch and, uh, you know, if you want to tackle the pod or if there's anything that you uh, you want to talk about coming up. You know, we haven't had a big, a, a good, juicy, big tackle in a while. So, likewise, any suggestions, and um, by all means, we're, we're all ears. But you know where to find us, as we said at the start of every pod. And uh, if, if you do give us a listen, please like share subscribe put us on your socials tell your mates hope uh yeah you guys down the pub and uh help grow the pod and i say we'd love to get someone back on to uh to tackle the pod but if 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 that's all that's all for me that's all for me thank you very much ladies and gentlemen you take care thank you <laughs>